Welcome, welcome again to the Simply King Podcast. This is Rodney Perry, and today is a great one. Yes, yes, yes. Um, today I'm um, I'm actually joining a fellow coworker of mine, and just and I guess you can say he's a connoisseur of life, art, and many many things. Um, Albert Ebo. It's joining me today. Um, That's good, man. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you joined him. And he's joining me on the topic that I feel like is so so relevant and prevalent to today for so many reasons. Not because the Super Bowl is coming up soon, but because <laughs> I honestly, I, I wrote this down a long time ago that I was going to talk about this. I just love how my timing is great. Not to toot my own horn, <laughs> but um, how about we just go ahead and get into it and. Um, Really, I just really want to kind of like touch on a few things I found, you guys, on just all of from bringing things from the past, relating them to now, because it's about race and sports. The racial underlyings of sports is what we're talking about today. I believe that everyone thinks about it, but it's something that people really don't like to talk about. This is not something that you hear too often in, in ESPN anymore because I feel like we've now kind of gotten away from that conversation and talk more about the stats. You know, it's not about, you know, this, this person being better and that person being um, worse, but more so, you know, they're great. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with their race. It is what it is, so on and so forth. But the thing about it, this is a very, very old conversation. And the one thing I want to speak on first just to, you know, give a note to our ancestors in history as a whole, is the Negro Leagues. And I found some cool things out. I found some really interesting um, yes. things about the Negro Leagues, and I really I really want to just, you know, give just a few before I ask you the first question. And you tell me what you think about these things, I said, too. Absolutely. Um, and those things are... One second. Okay. But those things are simply this. One thing I did not know was that how large of a black business that the Negro Leagues was. I always thought it was, you know, just a group of individuals coming together, um, doing something, and it just grew and grew and grew and grew this large, large fan base. But in actuality, at its highest point, it was the third largest black-owned business. And things that were kind of sprouted out of the word, like the barbershops, the black state houses and, you know, hotels, these restaurants, all these different things. And they also were the first to do a lot of things that a lot of a lot of, I guess, progressive things that the majors weren't even on or even accepting yet, such as, you know, having people who were from different ethnic backgrounds, uh, actually having integrated games having um, not only blacks and whites being played against each other, but also playing on the same team with one another, as well as Cubans uh, Cubans and Puerto Ricans and all these different things. So they were the first really to kind of start to integrate um, and play with more than just, you know, one group, one ethnic group of people. And also, um, I didn't know exactly what these people would make. I thought, you know, everyone may have been playing for the love, but, you know, we some people are ignorant to you know, they don't talk too much about the, you know, Negro League. So we don't know too much about it. So 
one of the most interesting things I found. And this is a quote from Buck O'Neill, who, who was a uh, Negro League, uh, old Negro League player, who was speaking on the pay. And um, I was so glad I could find this. But uh, on average, back in those times, um, the minimum was around like $5,000 that you could be paid to play in the major leagues, which I feel like for the, you know, for the early 1900s and late 1800s, it's a lot of money. And he spoke on how Negro Leaguers actually made more than that. And I find it so, so crazy because I would think that, you know, all these different things, why would anyone really want to integrate? They're doing well. Everything's great. And I feel like it was a sense of, I guess, a sense of pride, a sense of equality. But what do you, what do you think I kind of inspired or sprouted out to make all these people who are actually doing well, excelling within the leagues they were in, feel that it was more they needed? Um, I would say um, if you look at it from their perspective at the time, um, mm-hmm. being the back then, obviously, Baseball is just kind of another sport nowadays. I mean, it's still one of the major four, but football's obviously overtaking it. Basketball is more, I believe, the most second popular. It is the second most popular worldwide if you look at um, what baseball meant in America and what um, baseball um, meant to Americans, not just as a sport, but as a symbol. Um, I tend to look at sports as kind of like a microcosm um, of just what society is um, in general. Um, you you have a lot of like um, sometimes bordering on like irrational like nationalistic pride when you have like well not nationalistic when you talk about cities and communities but um, people will um, fight for a team that they live near whether it's good or not you know yeah. they'll stand by a team whether it's good or not and and will go against actual logic to 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 kind of have all of this pride and and even have animosity towards another person's team that might even be better or have, you know, better players on it or nicer people on it just because of the ownership that they feel over it. Exactly. Um, so um, you and 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 you have all sorts of racial issues. You have all sorts of classism, classes issues, um, which is why sports, besides the statistical value, because uh, I like numbers a lot. Besides that, like the fact that it's kind of this really, really small and calculable and measurable reflection and like metaphor for society in so many ways. Um, and where we put a lot of our role models mm-hmm. um, and uh, because um, we like to, uh, even on the political side, we tend to think of um, the, the, our capitalist society as a meritocracy. And sports is um, essentially the closest thing to a true meritocracy in this country. Um, so even from that aspect, how people value, like the values in sports tend to reflect how we measure our heroes. Um, so using that, I'm sorry, I know I'm getting a little bit away from the question, but I'm using that as a reference to like why it would be important, um, to, to take, um, to when you're, when you're doing fine on your own to still want to be included, Mm -hmm. um, at a, at a time with so much turmoil in, in the real world, exactly. in the real world, there's, there's no inclusion in the real world. You're separate and, and, and you, and, and you don't feel equal. Mm-hmm. Um, having that sort of symbolism as in, uh, to say like, um, 
we've made ourselves one and we proved that we can do it you you like we're equal to you we might we might even prove to be better than you like you know like we're we're um we're we have value exactly include us exactly you know what i mean and or or even so much as like we have value and we will include you yes you know what i mean i I would i would even add on to say that to put even to think of to put myself in their shoes if I am Satchel Page, if I am mm-hmm. all these individuals who are doing great, excelling, and taking care of my family, I'm a, I'm seen as a professional athlete. If I'm not, and in a lot of cases, what I found in my research, if they were not kind of like applauded and loved here by the masses, they go to other countries such as Cuba and all these other places and are loved as superstars and the celebrities that now today how we look at, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of athletes. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel that knowing, living, saying, you know, I am a Southern man from Tennessee and I'm playing, you know, in the Negro Leagues. But the fact that the man at the street still sees me as beneath him mm-hmm. and I might make more money than him. It feel, I feel like it, it will put some type of damp on your identity. Mm-hmm. To sit here and call yourself uh, an African American or whatever, however, where you would identify or play within this social location, mm-hmm. and sit here and be this great, but still be seen as nothing at the same. So I feel that it was a way of let's step into these same places so we can all be equal and we can just show approve. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, we will win some games. We may be better with some than some teams. You guys might kill us on certain games. It is what it is, but it's the fact of being in that same place. Actually, I feel like it was a sense, basically our sense of humanity is what kept playing on us. Mm-hmm. And I feel like more than anything, that's what I feel like drove most of civil rights. It's kind of like, no, you're not going to sit here and tell me mm-hmm. I can't be a part of this, you know, public mm-hmm government you know mm-hmm. this, this quote-unquote democracy that you that you're Ooh, trying to claim you see what I'm saying? So I feel like <laughs> that's really what got everyone yeah. riled up because it's kind of yeah. like you're going to tell me I can't sit right here and there's no difference between me and that other human over there and I feel like that's a real big that's a whole other conversation and, but that, that that's a real big and, and that is, and that is very real when you talk about and even even from like um the, for, you have the prideful um, perspective because, like you, you're right. Mm-hmm. Like it's very, very important to just be on the even playing field because no matter how good you do, people are just going to be saying, "Well, if they if they still look down on you, just saying you're only doing it against like lesser, you know, yeah. and, lesser and, 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 and I feel like once you find that passion within something, mm-hmm. and I feel like I believe a lot of these men probably play with a lot of passion, mm-hmm. and um, it's hard for you to play with this sense of kind of like I'm doing it to, I guess, just to prove a point. Mm-hmm. Because then it don't feel good. Then mm-hmm. you don't play at your best. Mm-hmm. Because you're not thinking that you're not setting those goals that actually make you a better player. And and also from from a like a logical standpoint, mm-hmm. it might not actually even be so much. It, it's not so much of a humbling thing to 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 have something that you have doing well on its own and feeling like you need to bring it to what is accepted by the majority. Just it, it wasn't it wasn't so much. It doesn't it doesn't have to be viewed as a sense of conformity. Mm-hmm. It could be actually seen as a power move from the sense that. Um, okay, we're doing well. We're doing so well on our own as a vast minority over here. Exactly. How much more could we make if we actually go over there? You know exactly. what I'm saying? We could build on top and of I'm that. Going, and I feel like that's the segue to my next question. Sure. 
did racial integration of sports result in a positive or negative effect in, in the industry? Um, <laughs> First tell me, do you think it was positive or negative? Or, or was it well, kind of a little bit of both? I mean, the reason why I'm, I'm laughing a little bit, we, 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 we talked a little bit about this, but the question is, has it actually really happened, right? Like, yes. has there ever actually yes. been racial integration? That's real. That's like, real. There's like, we, 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 from, a, from a formal standpoint, we've attempted racial integration. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I cannot see a scenario where having more people, um, having all of all of the people that are considered to be qualified and, and the best available, lowers the quality of, of the whole product. However, um, there's I mean, depending on your different your your definition of excellence, depending on your definition of competition, um, your good and bad might be different, right? Because um, if I bring the best players from over there um, to my best players over here, mm -hmm. um, there's different playing. They have their different playing style. We have our different playing style, or, or they, they could be superior or they could be inferior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> so um, if everything's equal, um, yeah. If um, everything's equal and you're giving and you're bringing um, more people in, more people with different skill sets from exactly. different parts of the world, like you, it's like saying the uh, Olympics is hindering, you know, like the competition. Like, no, you're taking the best in the world. You're taking the best quality, um, and you're and you're trying to find out, like, you're, you're trying to find out what's the best possible way to develop skills within this set of rules. I don't see how that hurts unless you um, have, but it also depends on your definition of excellence and competition, right? Because um, if your definition of competition is having the best people that do the best, like, if you have the Warriors right now who mm -hmm. are just is unstoppable, and the 76ers who are a laughing stock, you know, like, exactly. the, the Warriors might blow out the 76ers, and, that, and, the, and not technically, by definition, those are the best, those are some of the best in the world because they're um, a, one of 30 professional NBA teams. Like, the, the 76ers, they might be laughable by NBA standards, but they're still some of the best in the world, and the but the Warriors can beat them by forty like it's nothing. And um, however, you'll be seeing the best in the world play. You'll be seeing excellent competition. Even this Warriors Spurs game the other night; those are to me the two best teams in the NBA. I enjoyed watching them play at, at their highest level for probably three quarters. <laughs> yeah. You know, because they're they, because at the end of the day, even I, I'll enjoy a blowout because it's still showing me excellence, and I can I consider and that's what I consider you know competition. But other people. They want a close game. They want something close. They so maybe to they, so, want, they want to be right. On they want to be a day exactly. And yeah. you can find that at the pee wee level. And have, like you know, what I'm saying, and, and even though they're not the best in the world, it'll be competition because they're closely matched. If you want more close matches, then you can keep it within one set of skill sets, one set of like you know, like less different strategies, less ways to play the game, less col less cultures to you know mingle with, and 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 and, and change the mental then you have a like, like like I guess that could if, if your definition of competition is is closed games then 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 you could consider integration bad but if you just want to see excellence and even and even try and aim for close games within that excellence then 
you you should probably you probably want you definitely want more inclusion and more people. Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, I would I would say I would add on to that just to be. I believe everything that you said was amazingly true, and I feel that we should come a little further mm-hmm. into the present mm-hmm. and speak on something that I feel like is very very relevant. Mm-hmm. One that I feel like is hand in hand with this whole, you know, $40 million slave conversation and just um, kind of like ideal that's been in the air sure. for quite some time. And that is NCAA. Oof. Oof. I know, I know, I know. And um, I wanted to read some, something to all of you who are listening. It's very interesting. And actually, uh, Albert kind of pointed this out to me. I had to go and find this out. But the gentleman. Um, who actually created the system of the NCAA with, within its structure and the way that money is kind of, money is kind of accrued and flows throughout the whole system. The gentleman's name is Walter Byers. And I, I shall read from um, a statement that I got from the newrepublic.com, which is, usually the inventor knows his creation the best. Walter Byers, who became the first executive director of the NCAA in 1951 turned a toothless organization to one that controls college sports. He grew disenchanted with his creation, however, writing in this 1995 memoir that the NCAA is firmly committed to the neo-plantation, yes, I said neo-plantation belief, Mm -hmm. that the enormous proceeds from games belong to the overseers, the administrators, the supervisors, the coaches, um, the plantation workers performing in the arena may receive only those benefits authorized by the overseers. Damn. So, I've always had this notion. I've always had these thoughts. And the question that I have for you is, the question I have for you is, do you believe that the freedom's given up as an athlete are fair for the return. And speaking specifically about NCAA athletes, but if you see any reasons to include pro athletes, of course. I can include I can include both, but I mean it starts with um the NCAA. Um it's it, there's so many things to say. Um I don't I kinda don't know where to start. Um what's what's funny about that is um the when and when I heard about that article, um, what was pointed out the most um, by Bobani Jones is that it's it's literally the same function as um, as as the plantation system because it's meant to burn out. It's literally meant to like the way it's designed. It's on a hierarchy scale. You have um, these overseers, and you have all these things in between, and all the money is meant to be spent, and then it's meant to burn out right before it gets to the people who actually produce. Um, and that, in those cases, it was the slaves. In those cases, and it's the NCAA players. Exactly. Now you can argue in both of these situations that these are the people that deserve the money the most because they are they are the backbone in actual production. Or even if you wanted to equate it to like today's standards, they'd probably be um, in, the, in the same vicinity of warehouse workers. If if they're if they're if they're in if they're warehouse workers, they're still workers. What bothers me about the NCAA is its hypocrisy and it's not in its unwillingness to like um, admit its hypocrisy. You have 
um, payers, they're saying student athletes shouldn't get paid because these student athletes aren't employees as though the concept of student employees is obnoxious when you have um, students working in the library, oh, making wow. money. All these different things. Exactly. All these different things. And they're making money, by the way, off of selling the jerseys of the people who aren't getting paid. You exactly. know what I'm saying? You have... Um, you have all of these, um, like all of it's not so much like I, I honestly was half and half about it for a very long time. Like I could have gone either way. What pushed me over the edge, what actually made me adamantly want to root for payers getting played is when I realized like there, the NCAA has very bad and negative intentions to like try and keep money away from them. Like the fact that players can't even go and make money off of their own name, like selling yes. signatures, like being held back from doing from usually like, okay, you won't pay me, but I can go get money myself because I'm coming from a scholarship that I came from a poor neighborhood and I want to feed my family. No, they, uh, no, we won't let you do that. You have to wait until you get into the league, if you get into the league, exactly. or you have to get wait until you get into the real world off of this degree that actually is just a certificate because the entire time you were in college, you spent um, hours and hours and hours and hours practicing, being tired, and then waking up at five, going to practice, then going to um, going to your classes, which weren't which which hopefully aren't a joke, and you're actually learning things. But for a lot of times, they're giving you these dummy classes. And so many examples, and these are just the people getting caught of schools giving like these dummy dummy classes and in, in like essentially hollow educations. And on top of that, you're still supposed to work and make your own money to feed yourself. There are things that a scholarship does not actually cover, and even even and that, and that's and, uh, and, and that scholarship and, isn't even always safe. You know? it, it, no, a scholarship yeah, isn't always safe. A lot of a lot of universities, a coach has. At any time, can take it away from you. Exactly, and that's and and that's, and, and, and even that's if education should be that expensive. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Like like like, I mean, it's my view that like if you're gonna pay no one, if you, then pay no one. If you're not gonna pay the kids, then don't pay anybody. Like it, this is the only industry in which people are getting mad about payers getting played that are obviously showing direct reflection to the revenue of the school and the recruiting of the school and just being able to bring attention to that school. There, there's so many different reasons why they produce the money. Um, and and it's so more far prevalent than if it would be a high school or anything else. It's the only place where we're mad about young people making the money that they deserve. And by the way, these are adults. You know, people don't get mad whenever a child actor, you exactly. know, like oh he, she's too young, she there this isn't right. Take yeah. her money. Like no, nah, she made that money. Either give it to her or let her parents keep it. Like she made that money. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like no one gets mad at that. But like give a kid who clearly is like like legitimately destroying their body in the case of the in, in the case of football and might even lose their chance to play in the NFL based off of destroying their body because you're forcing them to wait at least a, what is it a year minimum or two years minimum mm -hmm. you're forcing them to do that you I feel like like no you can't pay them all at once they're too young for that it's so easy to mess up your life like that but it is 
it is it would be nice if they had some sort of installments of like taking out of their pay like something equivalent to minimum wage something yeah. something i feel that that, 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 definitely, be, that definitely should be something put in place yeah and um but, and there's so many ways in, 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 to implement that they they come up with so many other complex systems yeah. but when you start talking about money for people that deserve it genius level mathematicians to figure out how we can not have a tie or how we can have the right. But we cannot fathom a way that we can cut these players in because it's it's too many, there's too many ways to cut it. And then you have to think about it. This is gonna be unfair to all the other like the the players and the baseball players who don't make that much money for the school. They got ways to pay the coaches. They got, there's assistant coaches no making a million dollars. So exactly. like, even if it has to come out of there, which it will, that's the thing. Get all, all here's the only math that matters. Paying them means taking something out of what they are or would be getting. That's exactly. all it is. But the thing about is what what is who who really who really deserves mm-hmm. the most out of this whole cut? Yes, you are organizing the team, you're managing mm-hmm. the team, you're directing the team and, and giving them that that very trained eye that coaches coaches may or may not have. But at the same time, who is putting themselves in the line? It's kind what's, of like it's kind of like me saying, "I'm getting paid," but I feel like that's that's just only I feel like mirroring a, a image that we put into everything in life. We've we've normalized the, like um, payers not getting played to the point where paying the players more than the executives for a lot of people is laughable. And I, and one, I think that's just because a lot of people don't see themselves as players, so they don't want to actually relate to the idea that these people who are already on track to be millionaires deserve more, right? Or like, what are they complaining for, exactly. right? But consider this. In the scenario, like uh, if you look at the hierarchy, if you look at everyone involved, who's replaceable and who's not? There's not one player. There's not one player that's that's doing good or producing uh, under the scrutiny that they have to, under the pressure that they have to, under like uh, like I remember Richard Sherman and Michael Bennett of the Seahawks talking about how they would go to school and the, and their other classmates would like walk up to them like, hey you're welcome for me paying your tuition and stuff like that. You know, like, like P like they, they, you, you, not only are you, not only do you have to work this hard and, and do this much for free, but you're expected to like be like people, like, you know, people legitimately think you, they own you. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's like, there's, it's not necessarily always respect and you're not always treated as like a hero and like they have their advantages, but they have like, when it comes to just your general and standard education, they have way too many just, advantages. I remember the things that Jameis Winston, like you people have their opinions about whether or not he he actually um, was guilty of touching that girl, and I'm and and I'm not sure either. But I do know everything else that he did, whether it was standing on that table or like even the crab legs incident. It was like the the level of scrutiny and the amount of things he had to go through as as a as a as a young adult, and and all of these things he had to do. Like people get paid millions to endure, and he and he got and then like uh, someone like that who's bringing that much money into the school gets nothing. Yeah. It's, 
crazy. Um, I remember it was the, I think it was the University of Georgia. Like this is the like the the, the I remember watching ESPN thirty for thirty. The amount of effort that they will go through to hide funds or to spend like like that bracket system where people want it like every level that you go down that hierarchy, they want to spend more and more and more because um, one of the reasons that people try to justify um, not putting that money out there is that there's just not enough money to go roll around, right? But um, that's because it's designed to be spent by the time it gets there. Mm -hmm. And when you get to um, like the sports facilities, the University of Georgia spends like ridiculous amounts on their like um, sports facility there. Um, they spend money on like TVs and the like the gym room and, high- and jacuzzis and ridiculous stuff that like you don't like like you could live there and like and be and live lavishly and like you don't need this but they literally do it just so they can look broke when people are like like checking their finances like oh you see how much we had to spend on this facility yeah, well yeah. you know you, you didn't but it's it's nice to know that you know there could be a fed family or you know there could be a student that's that's has to struggle a little bit less mm-hmm. if you didn't you know buy that extra ridiculously huge tv <laughs> and i feel that to just uh really wrap up that whole ncaa conversation mm-hmm. two things first thing i speak on is the whole Miss Miss You situation. Sure. And what I found interesting, being a person who graduated from HBCU, was that immediately when that happened, I seen like lots and lots of memes speaking on whether well, they not treat you right. We y'all can come over here, come where you welcome, and this, that, and the third. And I feel that it's interesting, you know. And I definitely want to just read more into the I guess um, historical significance of that because. All of, you know, in the early days of, of course, you know, integration, they had to pull from historically black colleges to start to actually fill the basketball teams and as well as the specifically the NFL, you know, the football teams as well to find talent, to find these different things. And they did it off the strength. And it was very, very, a matter of fact, we did this off necessity. Mm -hmm. They're already starting to integrate in the North. They're kicking our ass at all these different schools. We need to do this in the South too, which were which where all most HBCUs are located. And I just said that just to say it, but I feel like it was needed. But also the main point, the main point, <laughs> the main point I wanted to make was about the whole when it comes to all of co- collegiate sports, the return on investment I feel like is too risky for you not to have something out of it all. Mm-hmm. You can have a, a person who was as athletic as Richard Sherman. You may have that right now in the NCAA. You may have thousands of examples, in all honesty. They may not ever get to lead. They may not. They, and the thing about it is you can compare their lifetime of investment. I'm not talking about just Mm-hmm. This four years, it's three years. It takes in school. focus. A lot of it's it. a lot of people who are in the NCAA who have been a part of this whole world, this whole industry of mm-hmm. football from seven years old. And you're trained to have that tunnel vision. Like I'm going to league. I'm going to league. Because you want because because and there's so many wants to be there. So many spots. Exactly. So there's oh so many spots around like sixteen hundred, give or take a few, mm-hmm. and. Your percentage is so, 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 so few for you to make and for the NCAA to be 
an enormous amount of people. You could seriously be Johnny Manziel's center. Sure. You're the one who's blocking him. You're the one who's hiding this ball. And you know for a fact you contributed to the success of this team, the success of him, because it's a team effort sport. But you don't get drafted. Mm-hmm. He does. You've actually known, let's say, let's just paint this great picture. You've known him for all your life. Y'all were on, you know, Pop Warner teams together. You you always been a just fantastic duo. Both got to Texas, you know, Texas uh, A&M and all that. You, you both just did your thing, you know? And he goes, he becomes a star and all these different things. He gets all this press and all these different things. He finally goes off to, to the big to the big wigs and you still get left behind. You've had all the classes. You've been directed to your schedules to be whatever they wanted to be. Gave you these, may have gave you these choices to, you know, do these different majors that you really don't give a damn about. Because in your mind, and how a lot of these gentlemen think, especially if they already have tunnel vision on where they're going to mm-hmm. be, that's where I feel like it's a big thing. Exactly. Yeah. When, there's, when there's people who are already on a very pro track, because you can definitely identify that. Absolutely. You can definitely identify exactly who is more probable to be, to be in the league because they've been watching them mm-hmm. since they were in high school. Mm-hmm. Literally. Sometimes sooner. Sometimes longer than that. So it's kind of like, for you not to pay these people who you are basically putting almost pre-designated money to be in, be a part of, a part of the industry. Not even if you don't know where exactly your team are going to lie in. And for them not to get a cut of it, and they've invested their own energy, their own sweat and blood and tears, they're getting nothing out of it. I think it's unjust. Not to mention the fact that, like, there's so many reasons that you can get stopped outside of just, like, you're actually putting someone at risk. You, there's so many reasons someone cannot make it to the league outside of just not qualifying. You can get injured. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, in, like, you can act like a promising career can just be derailed. And it's not even so much that like you can get injured and like a, a career ending injury or you can break your leg. Like you can get injured a time. Like you, you can get injured once, heal from it and never play the same way again, even though it was like a minor regular injury. And the thing is, all you have to do is not play right at the right time. All you have to do is not play right at, 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 a, at, at a pro day, or all you have to do is not perform in the right game, and then your entire future is gone. Mm-hmm. Yet you've put them on that, the track you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, just that alone is a risk. Not to mention, there's so, so, so much sports gambling, and that increases so much. And even like, but without DraftKings and FanDuel, you got Vegas bets on all these college kids, and they're not going to see any part of it. And you, and you know what? They don't always have to. But you know who does benefit? These or the ESPN and these games that are being sponsored by those very companies. Exactly. And that these kids are the the likeness is actually a part of mm-hmm. no one's and Exactly. It's they their identity is actually legitimately like legally owned. That's kinda crazy. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I I want college athletes. I think I, I do equate when you talk about like slavery, you even even if you put the money into it, and this is where I bring the pros into it, right? Um, because the, the, the problem's so like deep, and it's almost like it's to distract, like the money thing is just to distract people from the fact that these people aren't even treated like with respect from a professional standpoint. They're only pointed out as like 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 thugs whenever something bad happens, and then when they do good in their community, it's overlooked. 
outside of that community when they um, when they play they're expected to only be athletes and nothing else however they still have to maintain the images role models or else <laughs> you know what I mean exactly. like like um, when you look at athletes and, and the the proportions in which they are paid and the salary caps um, and, and um, are are nothing compared to you know what the people who organize it are actually making and i mean i mean that's 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 mainly just how capitalism works like they're like people aren't just going to just give that money back for no reason like you put they're in the position to control that and you're willing to pay you're willing to live for that amount mm -hmm. so they're going to take advantage of that and that's just just how the country's set up however when you go to um when you what what's, what troubles me um and we I, I imagine this being another question but what troubles me um is the disparity in like people choosing favorites and like who to like yeah like like who to like and who to pay you have like sports like um baseball where you know it's predominantly white and you have no salary cap and you just have players um i think it's you know you know the white Sox at all samarja who's like a like a backup pitcher he's like number two on Larry he's he's like the third best pitcher I think he's average he makes more now than Cobb and Johnson has made his entire career <laughs> yeah Never did it. yeah it's it's pretty ridiculous mm -hmm. um, But yeah, man, um, and it, it's crazy because Calvin Johnson being one of the greatest receivers of all time, you know what exactly. I'm saying? And, and there's a short lifespan relative to just not even just NFL careers, but just sports careers. So, exactly. um, you know, you would expect him to make more <laughs> than a not a relief pitcher, but like the, uh, not even an ace pitcher, just some regular guy on a bad team. Um, as much as I love the Sox. Uh, but um but a great, 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 great comparison, though. Yeah, I mean, even and that, and that goes a little bit, and that goes like back, like to bring it full circle to your integration system, like integration question, because um, there is no, there's, there, there are only like athletes are treated as slaves, and um, there is no true integration because there is such a disparity, and not just how the athletes are treated compared to the executives, but how the colored players are being, uh, how um, the colored players are being treated just in general, and even in the, color, in the more colored sports because you have predominantly black sports. Um, anytime anyone does something bad, and like you, a fight in the NBA is like like you like nothing but being like attacked um a fight in the nfl they're thugs they're murderers and they're like their their personal lives get hyper analyzed especially as of now after that ray rice tape of um you fight in the nhl like it's literally le like it's literally legal to just fight mm -hmm. in the nhl they have like, a time out box they go into right for you <laughs> right oh, just have man time. And, and people just uh, like oh that's just hockey players being hockey players and if anything and, that intensifies the sport because i feel that the fans seeing the fans they love it like, oh wow yeah, yeah like yeah, it's, yeah. Like it's yeah. professional wrestling like nah he's actually getting his reins beaten and you're actually okay with that when he does it like um you're only okay with that when he does it in baseball when uh, there's a 
lot of a lot of animosity when a Hispanic, you know, bad flips or does anything like that. But when a white player does it, it's like, oh man, he had fun. He, man, he's he's going. He's he's just being wild today. He's just having fun. Mm-hmm. And it's like like um, look at the disparity. Like Cam Newton right now is going through a lot right now, just off of like protecting his image and people literally telling him to behave. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like um, it's uh, not even just like the white players, but like the white leagues get to do more. And uh, as much as it sounds like you know, I'm trying like some people try and like say you know like oh this would be the time where people would be like oh you're race baiting or stop trying to play the race card. Well, this isn't the race card. This is the real life card. You'll notice that if you um, like even like. Like, well, they get to do things in the, um, like NH in the MLB, like, like you can't, you can lose your an entire season. Josh Gordon is fighting just to have another chance to, to play again, um, and for for smoking, like you know, the. Like the, like something that by the way in that sport actually helps. Like there's so many NFL players that come um, that are that are retired now saying how how smoke, how smoking saved their lives. Um, you do that in the um, in baseball, not in the D league, but in the majors, you get a five thousand dollar fine, no suspension. They just fine you every time you get caught. That's it. So you like you know what I mean like and and what is and, that? What is that? And, Somebody and, them with. You know what I'm saying and people get fined on the regular and no one talks about it. No one talks about. It. A lot of people don't even know about that rule. A lot exactly. of sports writers don't even know about that rule. Probably, but like you talk to, but like in the NFL, it's like they're portrayed as like these miscreants or like these like like these bad people all the time they're like these like savages you know um basketball players like any, anything that they do wrong they're painted as like savages who don't know better mm-hmm. um and and there's so much like animosity within baseball for towards like latin players um i believe it was like it's somewhere is somewhere it's between 60 to 80 percent of the fights um in the end and according to uh, what because i watch highly questionable a lot and uh <laughs> And um, one of the hosts on there was talking about how 80 to 60 percent of the fights in um, the in, in Major League Baseball tend to be interracial. It's usually between a Hispanic and a Caucasian. Um, like that's a lot. That's, you know what I'm saying? Like and, and 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 like the people in this country, and that's why I say it's like a microcosm of society because people tend to not want to go out of their ways to get to learn another culture so they'll just judge it from afar and use it as entertainment and that's and that's prevalent and and almost um metaphorically symbolized in sports in 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 our sports in different ways it's crazy Mm -hmm. um and i i feel that to lead to the to the last question i feel like it's a sense of just exactly what you said like it has a lot to do with culture it has a lot to do with when you have all these different ethnic groups happening and you have people who come from, they may come from a whole nother place. Um, not being, I guess, um, compassionate enough to understand where they come from, how they may celebrate, how they may prepare, um, how they may communicate, how they, just a certain practices and certain tendencies they may have, such as with uh, Cam Newton celebrating. Mm. A lot of people have found this uh, 
something that they just bothers the hell out of him. They don't understand why they don't like him. It's just the way he, he's too cocky. Something about him. Something about him. And I like, to, I like to call her, you know what I'm saying? I like to call her Duck or Duck. Mm-hmm. I believe it has definitely a lot of, you know, racial racial uh, tension behind mm-hmm. it. It's a black man basically dancing around in a way that you maybe can't even dance. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 sometimes it's double. And there's what's crazy is the black people that are coming at him like, like because he recently just talked about like people don't want to see a black quarterback act yeah. like this. Yeah. And and, he, and there are black players talking about like, oh, don't make it about race because everyone's trying to run away from it. But like you said, call it Doug a Duck. Like, like Cam Newton and Rob Gronkowski are almost like for a quarter, like from the, and even JJ Watt from society's perspective, they are essentially the same player. They're just really, really huge, physical, um, extremely talented, like arguably some of the best, if not the best, at their position. They look like, Rob Gronkowski dances. People think it's cute. Cam Newton dances. People think he's showboating. Right. Showboating. He, Rob Cam Newton. Rob Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski says something like dim-witted or even obnoxious, and they're like, "Ah, oh, it's just Gronk being Gronk." Cam Newton doesn't. It's like, oh my God, here comes this guy again. Mm-hmm. He needs to behave. Like people are trying to tell him how to behave. JJ Watt does it same thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember when Richard Sherman, and I don't want to like make light of anything in the civil rights movement, but when Richard Sherman like was talking to Aaron Andrews, and she caught him in the moment, literally right during the game, get, get being over emotional about Michael Crabtree, and like it, it, people were so mad at Richard Sherman, and it was like almost this Emmett Till effect because it, it had so much little to do with him yelling about Michael Crabtree, which you people yell and talk stuff during the game all the time, which was hilarious, by the way. It was hilarious, but it was people were so mad at him because he made he startled this little white girl who jumped in his face and asked him questions. And after a game, right after a game, right, right, right on the field, right while it was going on. In fact, right her her goal was to get a genuine reaction. And the goal of every reporter is to get a genuine reaction, and she got what she was asking for. And and ooh, that sounded bad. She got her. She got that response. Yeah, but it wasn't like he was attacking her. But the fact that he startled her, like had all of these white people calling him a thug, which he is not in the slightest. And had them calling, had them attacking him, asking for him. To, like there was some people asking him to get like suspended. It was wild. Like it's just like and, the and for for things to go that far. I feel that there is an inner, and I really I'm gonna go back to the whole statement about being human. Mm-hmm. Like the reason why so many individuals, so many individuals have these have these issues with you know a certain cultural group. I feel like we're battling with our humanness. We really are. We're sitting here comparing ourselves to a, someone who is just like us, but different in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have a, a species or a, a, a breed of dog getting mad at another dog because they're another breed of dog. Mm-hmm. You a dog, I'm a dog. If I'm a chihuahua and you a rival, I'm still going to bark at you. Right. And because you're trying to piss on my territory. You see what I'm saying? Because that's the understanding of the species. Now, within humans... I believe when you really realize you have this really strong hate or dislike towards something, before actually realizing that this is a genuine opinion, you must first look at yourself too. Mm-hmm. Be like, why? Why is this getting under my skin? Why mm-hmm. is this bothering me? That's why I feel like you have these different things within, like the emergence of like NWA and a lot of other people, where they or these older people from a different generation were seeing their children emulate these black people. Mm-hmm. 
emulating the rappers, emulating the mm-hmm. black athletes. You know what? I don't like them. Mm-hmm. I don't like how they are. And I believe a lot of the industry itself seen a reason to create this sense of franchise players. So they can now give even more of a reason to pay the players who they choose to pay more money. Yeah. As well as uphold them as the person who's the face to represent what we want to represent. Absolutely. That's why I feel like the quarterback position is not only because it's a pivotal position within football. Absolutely. Same way when it comes to the big man or the point guard within basketball. Mm-hmm. Or or the score, just the overall overall score to be the leader. The reason why I feel like though, all those things are kind of all the same is because if they are white, we're definitely going to hold them up. Mm-hmm. If we, if if we have a great white quarterback, oh my god, he's going to be this. He's going to be there. They're not trying to see Cam Newton's face on like their ad campaigns. They're not trying to see this black man put where they want this white man where he should be. You look at like Venus, like Serena Williams, being she is essentially the Michael Jordan of our era, and the things that she's had to deal with. And I mean, as a, and, it, and it's even magnified more than just for the fact that she's black. This, she's in this year. She's in this white and, and mostly European appreciated sport, and the. You have this and you have this girl who is um who's just straight dominating and like it's it's the fact that she's a woman not just that she's black and that's that's that hurts because that makes everything like that much more magnified but she's yeah. just destroying she's like the best of all time mm-hmm. like a lot of people don't want to accept that but she's they, they, the they, best they, of like they, all they, time and there's so much us, to prove that they don't give her sister enough credit either. they don't give her sister enough credit in the least and in fact her sister elevated the sport for people to actually start paying attention to how much women were getting paid and how much airtime they were getting exactly. at a time where um I for what I believe was the Australian Open was actually admitting that they were going to play a certain feature matches just because the girls were prettier. Like they were openly admitting, like, eh, like that's okay. And like Venus actually started when start Venus opened those doors to get like women taken seriously. And then when Serena took over, it was even more tragic because it was like almost like even though people still respected the sisters, which forever, which by the way, it took both Venus and Serena way too long to get their number one seed and ranking. Exactly. Way, way too long. But it was almost like when Venus started beating, when Serena started beating Venus, people started paying attention to Venus. Like there's only one spot for one black player, like Hollywood. You notice how there's always like only one <laughs> great, great black, <laughs> one, 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 right, one, right, or or one black comedian of the moment. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. like you know, like right now Kevin Hart's the man. Yeah. Before that, like you had like there was a point where Cat Williams was the man, Dave Chappelle was the man, but never were they all the man at the same time. You can only have one. It was like that. It's funny, like you can only have like one. One black, black um, dominant woman in mm-hmm. tennis, like they or like or like like almost like it's a novelty factor. Like people worked very, very, very hard not to respect her. Even as Serena was about to complete like a, the Serena, she had her Serena Slam um, and was about to get her calendar Grand Slam, and then she lost. Um, people and like one of the greatest performances in like a calendar year for like a sports figure, um, and she lost one match. She lost one, and people were saying that um, American Pharaoh the horse should have got sports person of the year from Sports Illustrated over her and they were livid that a horse did not get Serena Williams <laughs> award. That's, that's, like, that's, that, you know, that's, that's mean, ridiculous. Like, that's, uh, ridiculous. That's, that's ridiculous. And I feel like that's, you said so much. <laughs> Sorry. You said so much and I really want to end on a note of more so economics and Let's position. 
Let's and the last question, and be and be as brief as brief as possible, cool. because I feel like this one is oh, really, yeah. this one is a very. I, I do get along with it. <laughs> I say I say that because I believe this is a very hypothetical for sure. So I know we we both can go deep within right. our imaginations and yeah. speculations, um, and because it's a a note to the future. Sure. Last question I have is being that most the most popular American sport sports are populated by minorities. Do you see more ethnicities reaching to the top positions of the industry? And if you if you believe it's just no, and you ain't got nothing else to bag you with, that's fine. But tell me what you think. Well, we can go full circle again with this theme of a microcosm of society, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have this, you have these people who are at, as far as this hierarchy in sports is considered, the, the players are for some reason, and even though they're doing the most, providing the most, giving the most from both, like they're they're at the bottom in, as far as class and perception, right? Mm -hmm. So you you but you have them you have them taking over, you know, that area, and you have them producing and getting more and more uh, like achievements and accomplishments um and then they're retired and then some of them maintain enough of their um maintain enough of their um intelligence and and you know and 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 work ethic to graduate into other fields and so you're finally finally seeing even though historically you see like a thousand percent and that's and i don't believe that's even an exaggeration you see like a thousand percent more white um, coaches being promoted to head coaches than you do minority coaches. You're starting to see some black coaches. What's his name? Um, Hugh, uh, the, the, the Cleveland Browns just hired a new coach and he's black. Mm -hmm. And he just hired two more black coaches as his mm -hmm. offensive coordinator and his defense coordinator. I don't know the lab besides Lovey, besides Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith. Yeah, you know, you don't, you don't, see, you don't see time. that. And it's crazy because in Mike Tomlin, it's funny how you see so few, which by the way, side note, it's funny how you see so many black, so few black coaches, Tony Dungy, Mike Tomlin, Lovey Smith, all been the Super Bowls. Crazy, right? Right. In fact, Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith were in a Super Bowl together. <laughs> there was no way. Like man couldn't win the Super Bowl. Exactly, and yet, 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 yet you see so few of these people getting chances. Mm -hmm. It's pretty. That's pretty wild. That like there's this mentality of and I feel like, like the, that there should be a direct connection between because majority mm -hmm. of black coaches, because not all coaches. I feel like a lot of people might not know that not all coaches who coach within the NFL have actually played within no, the NFL. Absolutely, but most black coaches have worked their way all the way up. Mm -hmm. Some of the best coaches have been players themselves mm -hmm. and worked their way up. And that's not even about race. That's just period. Just exactly. Because they understand the game. They've been playing for a very long time, so their football knowledge of the game is extremely vast. And now they can, now they now know themselves in both positions. It's easy to coach someone who you understand the position that they're in. Not just because you understand how the whole thing works. You see what sure. I'm saying? Like I could be an expert on this certain realm of the world, but if I've never like, like you, you say you, you love manga, I say if I watch every damn anime and I can spit out every fact to the T, but if I've never actually dove into it more than as actually creating art, 
how can I sit here and call myself an authority other than just an extreme spectator and, and, and an expert of just that range of things? And it's funny how that usually works for your advantage in society when yes, you do have that. However, in the NFL, it tends to work to your detriment, and that's where you come into like the class and racial issues because people seem to have this mentality. And you can go back to quarterback to talk about like like they think of the minorities as the as the physical specimens. Like, oh, that boy can play. That's what he was built for. Exactly, but. The, they see the Caucasians as the thinkers, which is why you have the black running backs and receivers, but you have the white quarterbacks. You know, the white quarterbacks are the pocket passes, and then the black quarterbacks are meant to be like the people who can who can run on their feet and you know throw if we need them to. Like, and that's and that's just what's expected. Like, even look, listen to look, watch watch any sports cast and and listen to the rhetoric and see if they see if that's not what's expected when you hear things like. Like um, whenever like Aaron Rodgers takes off on a run, or like whenever Cam Newton takes off on a run, or Russell Wilson takes off on a run, or Robert Griffin takes off on a run, it's like oh that's that's what he's supposed to do. Look at him being fast. You see Aaron Rodgers, that's them taking over for like a that's like that's like um, Robert Griffin takes off for a twenty thirty yard run. It's like oh that that's 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 his thing. That's what he does. That's what that's what he's supposed to do. Exactly. You see Aaron Rodgers take off for a ten yard run. And it's like wow he's so athletic because he's not a Expected to do that because way he's to supposed to be a thinker. Exactly, way to get that run. He really fought for it because he's, you know, he's he's supposed to be in the pocket. And like, even though he, he, you know, he only he only did so much. But you see Cam Newton be accurate, and then people are like, "Whoa, he has an arm too!" Like, like, how do you think he got here? You know, people people don't want to give certain people a certain chance in certain ways. Like, you have black mm-hmm. people being considered the physical specimens, but they don't aren't, they aren't respected for their minds. And when you get to coaching. That's when you're respecting for your mind and your knowledge of the game, exactly. and people aren't giving those people aren't giving the people with knowledge of the game a chance because they're like, oh wait, no, you're black, you're a player. What are you doing? You you can't, you won't, you don't get a position here. Like that's not where your place is, boy. But yeah, which is why you have the Rooney Mara rule, which is like kind of like this a sort of firm, affirmative action rule within coaching, which is where you have to interview a person of color every time you hire a head coach. Like if, as one of your candidates, and you have to take one seriously before you can formally hire one. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as much as I like, I'm not against affirmative action, but it's one of those things that's like, yeah, I'm glad it exists, but I wish it didn't need to very badly. In fact, I, I'm kind of mad it exists. Mm-hmm. But like, because I feel know, like once you put a system, where you, once you put some type of, once you create a system, mm-hmm. now people lean on it. People lean on it, and now it can be used for their advantage. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly. what I'm because, yeah, that, because it fits within this sense of semantics. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like if only men can walk through this door. Okay, that's fine. Well, I would go get a sex change. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? And then, then right. now you're becoming the exceptions. Now you can control these things. But with this, the rule with the with the Rooney Rule, if you had to just seriously and and be interested. So it means, so I would assume that it means he has to make it past the first interview and has to come to some second mm-hmm. trial or some group interview or whatever it may be, whatever the process is. And he just doesn't have to make it through or he gets chosen to go to the next step. I feel that it's in most things when it comes to, you know, you being a person, a person to actually make that choice. There is sometimes, and I would not doubt this with any fiber of my being that you are choosing who you want to choose. You want who you want. Regardless, yeah, no, no, regardless exactly. of Exactly. Regardless of how, how qualified they are. 
but it but it has led both indirectly and directly to coaches of color getting hired because the number has increased and then and like you said you're gonna hire who you want to hire and you might tokenize somebody but like yeah i'll get that black guy we'll interview him but we don't need him but when people see that name being interviewed they might not get it that year and when these pass over this year but now he's made his name on the map if that interview that he got where he didn't impress and people were like whoa he's actually qualified let's hire him he might get another job the next year because it's like oh well, you know, they picked him last year to interview a lot of people. He, they showed interest. Yeah. Maybe he's like, we're, we're desperate for something new. Let's check him out because we really don't have someone in mind this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's better than just straight up passing over. And it's like, nah, we just want this white guy that we had our eyes on. You know, that's, that's, that's marginally better, but it's like, it's not even it's, but it like, but again, I'm furious that that's something like that's even necessary because like, like if people were just evenly, hiring and, and interviewing it wouldn't be a problem in the first place like why are people like why do people need a list of black people to try and go through to try and interview somebody yeah, when there's so many qualified candidates exactly. but they know but when it comes to white people all they do is pick up their phone and call somebody like hey I, you know, I, know, some, you I know someone i know someone oh yeah and you know what i'm saying i feel like you're asking the question beautifully and closing words that i would say is and if we haven't brought out something that you either knew or already noticed or were ignoring a very long time part of your life, sports that you're watching are fantastically entertaining. I'm not discouraging the sports industry and one bit because I believe it's a very, very large one. I believe it's sustaining, it's sustaining energy, industries. That's how powerful the industry is in itself. Um, television really wouldn't be anywhere right now. Cable industry wouldn't be anywhere right now if it wasn't for sports, mm -hmm. even though they're moving towards being streamed. Mm -hmm. So, but I feel like sports is a very, very large in industry that affects us all in so many different ways. Um, so we must truly, truly recognize, because I feel like it's the best example of recognizing those racial underlinings, those racial tensions, those just very, very, where race should actually be within the conversation that people try to forever take out definitely open your eyes if you really pay attention to why certain things are the way they are and really truly look into the way things are. Because I believe, I truly, truly believe that if, uh, if the NBA and the NFL were ran by all black people, that it would be a whole different situation. I don't, I don't believe it would be just as successful. Um, I feel like it would be successful in a, in a terms relatively to the crowd that are participating within it, just it, just opposing it to the Negro Leagues, because it got to that success. There are definitely where people who want to be involved in it, all these different things. So I say to everyone, truly think about what you're watching, truly think about what you're consuming, and definitely never, 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 um, never just, I guess, uh, don't ask those questions or look more into certain things, because those just may be the questions that need to be asked and looked into. Mm -hmm. And I really, really want to thank Albert. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, I really man. Thank this is a fun conversation. It was a great conversation, and it's going to be a good one. Leading up to the Super Bowl, which everyone's probably watching, just a heads up for everyone. Um, I definitely will not put another I put a podcast out on Super Bowl Sunday. I feel that's kind of stupid. <laughs> and um, But next week, I'll uh, be looking forward to a month-long of great, great, great uh, African-American Black history. 
Um, I definitely had to do it. I'm, I'm too, I feel like I'm too conscious. In, but the way I'm going to do it is going to be amazing. So definitely listen up for next next weekend. Tune in for all these different things that I have going. I really, really, really want to thank Albert once again. I thank really you. Thank Real Talk. Thank you. I really <laughs> want to thank everyone for listening and let you know if you don't know, now you know that you can listen to this on iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as the TuneIn Radio app. And if you want to check out anything else that I've got going on, go to lifeisking.com. That's lifeisking.com. You are just now listening to the Simply King podcast. Thank you for listening. Love y'all. Peace out. I'm with the flow when they look like G.I. Joe. I